Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Just like if you were stranded on an island, you would write, help! Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, it was comparing myself to others, not feeling like I'm enough, and being afraid to express my needs. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed anytime. The service is available for clients worldwide and you can start communicating in just under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There are other numbers that I list in the show notes that you can go to for those services. With BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Quote, after counseling with Jennifer Dressler for three weeks on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, and trauma, I really appreciate Jennifer's empathy and kindness. I feel heard and supported and she has offered some really helpful practices. End quote. Another BetterHelp user, quote, after counseling with Michelle Solo for two weeks on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, addictions, and self-esteem, Michelle and I have just begun communicating, and already I have boundless hope for my future. She's very tool-oriented and doesn't just listen. I've never before had a therapist who is so actively involved in taking steps to help you get better. I would highly recommend her, especially for those who have lost faith in therapy. I did. She's going to surprise you. So please visit betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. I'm excited about today's episode with Taylor Chandler, who is with, uh, she's a CEO and founder of Thresh Coach. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and personal trainer and nutritional specialist. That's the trifecta. That's the holy trinity right there to address your, your mental, physical, nutritional, and relational needs. Uh, we definitely talk about all those things today. We even start off talking about uh, it when somebody comes to her and they say they want to end their life, like how do, we, how do we address that? And so we get right into it right off the bat. We're not messing around. We get into it. We also talk about how to make someone feel safe. 
and not just safe like locking the doors and security, but emotionally safe to share how they feel, um, how to feel seen, how to speak and listen. Uh, so many people are in relationships, and a lot of the conflict is, is rooted not necessarily in the problem, but just in the ability to speak and listen to one another. We're also going to talk about the power of saying, that sucks. That sucks. The power. That's, those are the, probably the two most powerful words that people don't have no idea about. And we're going to get into why you want to know. Um, oh, oh, I love this part. We talk about are you a thermostat or a thermometer? What? Are you? Do you know? It's, a, it's not a BuzzFeed question. We, we, we get into the, the realm of it. Um, and, uh, and then she also shares her journey. Halfway through, she, share, she shares her journey with depression and anxiety and how she navigated those torrential waters. Uh, and we talk about the power of when you see something, say something. How if you see something, say something could actually save your relationship. Um, and then we get into conflict resolution. Uh, everybody's talking about, uh, you know, we, we like to act like uh, everything's great and happy and good. But when things, when things hit the fan, how do we resolve conflict, right? How do we bring things down? And, and then we get into, uh, towards the end, we talk about why women go to therapy. And specifically, we get into black women because she's in Atlanta. And why do married women go to therapy? And then we talk about uh, the, the power of making things stick, the emotional, the emotional part of change, why we need our emotions to spur change. This is, this is a great episode. You're going to love this from beginning to end, and we're going to bring her back for a part two. We're going to Malcolm X this thing. Uh, and, and if you haven't already, Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. And uh, let's get to tomorrow together. Taylor Chandler. Hi. How are you? Uh, we're just doing audio, but I see you got all okay. dolled up. So if you want to you keep the video, <laughs> go right ahead. A, I'll do it. I'll do it. I love it. Yeah, you, you got the hair <laughs> pulled up in a ponytail. You ready to go to work. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was Every day. I, I was just watching your Instagram story. You had me all fired up. I mean, you, know? you, you were talking about uh, bullies and how they, I was like, oh, yeah, I ain't even had no bullies. I wanted a bully just so I could I could do what you was talking about. I was like, yeah. Just so you could tell them that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I want it. a bully. <laughs> Wait, now you and, AT, and you and ATL, right? I am. That's why I have my family on my dad's side lives in Atlanta, uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So next next time I come out there, we're we going to have to do a face-to-face because I'm already vibing your energy. Absolutely. I'm ready. All right. Now, have you, all right, now I got to ask. The listeners can't see this, but I see like a million books behind. Have you read all those books? Or are you just like? All of them. Every single one. Not every single one in its entirety, though. Okay. okay. So you've got some like, you've got some Stephen Hawking up there, which is a it's like kind of hard to get through yeah. like that. Um, it's a, it's a really diverse range of books. I'm some, when I look at them, I'm like, I, I got a Leonardo da Vinci 
biography up there. You've got a lot of therapy stuff, a lot of fitness stuff, but then you've got James Baldwin. You've got Windows to the World, um, A Guide to Wine. You've got a lot of different stuff. All right, and then what's that there. book that's open behind you? Is that the Bible? Is that like Proverbs 313? What is that? <laughs> this is called The Soul of Psychosynthesis. Um, this is a guy named Kenneth Sorensen who basically took um, this other guy's book, which is Psychosynthesis by Roberto Asiagioli, and he made it more digestible. It's really, it's really interesting. I know it's not, I mean, it's, it's super right, give, interesting. Give me a, give me a takeaway. Give me one of those, one of those aha insights or whatever from the book so far. He was like, damn, you know what I mean? Give me one of those. Yeah. So one of the huge things is about the act of the will and how your will directs everything that you do and how you have control over all of that. And so basically just like directing your energy into exactly what you want. Uh, is that now? Is that kind of like law of attraction, or is that like a? Is he talking about something a little different? He's talking about something a bit different. So, law of attraction is more about. Um, I would even say like an arbitrary desire and how to make that manifest. And this is about taking all aspects of your personality, um, your physical, your mental, your emotional, and synthesizing it in a way to create what you want, and then directing your will towards that thing. But by using all the things you already have. It's like it's like being how to be resourceful, basically, like how how to utilize what's already around you versus trying to find things to add to it. Uh, Yeah, and and that's what mm -hmm. and that's what you're doing as a as a as a as a coach. You're a personal trainer. You're a nutrition specialist. You're a certified uh, and licensed uh, uh, marriage and family therapist. I mean, that's mind body. That's and then you got like the Stephen Hawking. So you trying to pull the stars into it? You trying to trying to trying to grab the moon and all that? Just all of it. And so that's why when I came across Psychosynthesis, and I i mean, this the guy that wrote the very first book, it was like 1864. So I mean, it was a while ago. So then you see how these ideas have just been around for, I mean, it's been, and it's been around way before the 1800s, but how these ideas have been around for so long. And now we're just kind of um, using them in a more innovative way. But yeah, when I came across psychosynthesis, I was like, this is literally what I've been doing. And this guy was talking about it 150 years ago. <laughs> All right. Okay. So somebody comes to you mm-hmm. and says they they want to end their life. How mm-hmm. do you use psychosynthesis to 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 guide them from there? So when we're talking about suicide or suicide suicidal ideation. Um, I mean, that comes from, it's so layered, right? Like there are so many experiences that have happened to a person before they get to that point. I mean, when someone is serious about that statement, it is, it, there have been, I mean, you could say countless, right? Countless things that have um, come to manifest, it, manifest in a way that where someone wants to end their life. And so we don't start from the top. Like psychosynthesis is when you think about like, um, Abraham Maslow's self-actualization, right? Like where I'm just going to be the best person that I can be. That's not what we're doing with someone who is suicidal, where I think like sometimes a go- sometimes someone thinks a go-to is, well, what about all the amazing things that you have going on in your life? But if someone is in a place where they want to end their life, they're not really thinking about all the amazing reasons to live, right? Like if, I, if someone comes to me and says something like that, my go-to is not, well, let's just make you the best that you can be, right? That's starting from the top. 
So we're going to the bottom. We're going. We're talking about like basic, basic needs, basic human needs, basic. Um, feelings of safety that we can incorporate in someone's life. Not how can you be the absolute best in your career, but how can we just make you feel safe? So it's less about synthesizing all of your best attributes, but like, can we just get to the basic needs that um, that you need to feel safe right in this moment? You know what? I love that response because the the idea of feeling safe is also layered, right? I was mm-hmm. thinking about I had a show last night. It was my first show after about three months of not doing stand up, and I, I I realized I didn't feel safe enough to mm-hmm. talk about the things I really wanted to go into. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I could bounce back from that. I don't know if the club will have me back. If you know, sometimes you want to dig into some. Some some deep territory at uh, mm-hmm. what a point, what a purpose. But you're like, man, I ain't been on stage in three months. I, I don't know how if my skills are still sharp enough. And so when we when mm-hmm. we talk about safety, I think uh, a lot of people think guns, uh, security, lock your doors, uh, maybe even wash your hands. But 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 there is an emotional uh, layer of safety that uh, in terms of do you feel safe enough? to share mm-hmm. your emotions. Do you feel safe enough to say that what you said hurt me? Or do you feel mm-hmm. like you might lose that person because that you're showing up with all of you, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, 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 I can see in your face that you die. You, you savor in all of this. <laughs> what, yes. what do you t- talk to me, Taylor? What's going on? Yeah, so I, I mean, that is so real. Like, you know, when someone comes to you that is in such a, let's just say low place, right? Just to make it short, just in a really low place, really low feeling, a really, you know, my new age people like want to call it a, you know, we want to call it a low vibration. And in that way, and, and someone's coming to you in that way, we, the goal is to have them feel seen right as they are and not to try to, pressure them, force them, inject them with some kind of enthusiasm where, no, if someone is feeling really low, really sad, really depressed, that's where they are right then. And so we've got to go to that moment right then and not try to rush the process. Like you were talking about being on stage last night and feeling safe um, after not having shows for quite some time due to the current circumstances, right? And that's where you were right at that time. So we've got to meet you right there and not try to pretend like the last three months have been any semblance of normalcy because it hasn't. Just like when someone comes in that really low depressed state, we can't pretend like we can just pop you back into normalcy because that's just not how it works. There's a process you have to go through. I, I love that. Oh, you, gave, you just gave me the courage to hit the stage tonight. I'm, I'm like, that's right. It's been three months. That's right. Validate. You know, I'm a little rusty, so I'm going I'm to try some things out. Hell, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to take off the seatbelt and, and, and no there helmet. You go. Let's, let's do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 2,000 2, miles an hour. Let's go. <laughs> so what, uh, in terms of what, when uh, I love what you're talking about, how to make a person feel safe how to make a person feel seen. What does that sound like? Uh, like what, what are you saying? What do we say to each other so that we, we feel seen, so that we feel safe? 
So what you can start with, because not everyone's like a therapist or a coach, right? Like, or has gone through some sort of formal training in listening. And so it's really getting back to really basic listening. And so many people just aren't great listeners. And it's understandable because we're in a time where everyone, where everyone is encouraged to just voice, 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 but not really. So we've kind of come to a point where we're, we've, we're a little unbalanced where we all want to speak, but not everyone wants to listen. And so what you can do if you are trying to make, allow someone to feel heard is by just repeating back to them what you just heard. That does so much. It does so much. And especially someone that has like a, like if we go back to like suicidal ideation or intent, if someone is coming to you in that place that has, and they've been in that place many times before, which is often the case, right? It's, it's, it's for a lot of people, this is, it's been a, it's been a long time, a long running thing where it's a periodic thing that comes up. I mean, that's plenty of people, right? So they have heard over and over and over again, just get outside, exercise, just, just turn on your favorite show. Go get your nails done, right? They've, they've heard all of these things that's just like these sort of band-aids instead of someone just saying, wow, that really must suck. Like, that must be really painful to go through that. That must really hurt. Can you tell me more about that? I want to know what that feels like. If you haven't been in that place your, yourself, ask someone, what does it feel like to not want to get out of bed in the morning? What does it feel like when you're, when you're outside and it all looks gray. It's a sunny day. It's 93 degrees, but it just feels like a rainy, cold day. I, I want to understand a little bit better. And we have, I think that there, I, not I think, I know that there are a lot of people who feel like, well, if I talk about suicide, it's going to make someone want to do it. And that is a, it's a huge fallacy. And we have to be okay with talking about it and touching on it and asking someone about it. What is their experience with it? What is, what does that feel like for you? Because it's a really, you know, suicide is a general thing, but it's a personal experience. I want to know what it feels like for you. And just to give someone the space to talk about how much it sucks, how sad it really could be, does so much for somebody just to feel heard and seen and not rushed through the process. Wow, I, I love that, Taylor. So powerful uh, to say, and 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 here's why: because a lot of times I'll say that's powerful, and people will be like, uh, "Is he just pandering?" No, I just <laughs> I just learned. I have a friend of mine who mm-hmm. responds with uh, at sometimes with that sucks, and it's so remarkable how that phrase does make you feel seen safe and heard. Mm-hmm. And I've used it. I don't want to say use it. I don't know if that's the right word. I've incorporated, synthesized it into my, uh, my own re- uh, way of responding to people. And, and people will send me these long emails or text messages venting their feelings. And I respond mm-hmm. with that sucks. And to me, they're like, yeah, it does. Wow. That's all mm-hmm. I needed. And it's like, <laughs> boom, two words that sucks. Yeah. So powerful. And we're done. Mm-hmm. And then we're right back to, you know, shooting hoops or uh, playing Monopoly or whatever we were doing before. Right. So it, it's those two words are so powerful. I just wanted mm-hmm. to, to, to validate that, double down on that and say that not mm-hmm. only uh, are you using it, but I use it. And I've seen the uh, and, and to say to ourselves sometimes to be like, hold on, Leo, what you just been through that just that sucked, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so that's something that we could even 
uh, say to ourselves, I want to ask you a question about, and this is for my own selfish reasons. Last night mm-hmm. after my show, because I didn't uh, express myself the way I wanted to, I realized I identify, over-identify too much with being a comedian and my performance as a comedian. Because I came home, I felt bad, and I, I was eating ice cream. And mm-hmm. I realized a lot of people, especially during this time, are losing their jobs. And when we talk about ending life, people will end their life over losing a job, losing a spouse. And, and because mm-hmm. we identify with, as a father, we identify as a CEO or whatever our position is. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we separate ourselves mentally from uh, what, we, what we do versus who we are? Is that, is, that a, is, that a, is that a fair question? Oh, it's a great question. Oh, I'm excited. Leo, you did, I mean, this, oh, this is just one of my favorite oh, things. I love it. Let's do this. Truly. Because this, I think, for me, always goes back to having a spiritual foundation. And that is, gosh, I could say so much about this, right? But what you're talking about, identification, immediately we can go ahead and talk about the ego, right? Because if my ego is tied up in my identity, then it matters to me if you applaud when I get on the stage. It matters to me if when I post a video, if you go and like it. Because if I identify as that, if my ego is tied up in that, then it really matters if you if you can accept me as that identity that I'm projecting out into the world. But if I can come to a place where I've separated the question that you're asking how to separate from that identity is to be able to get um, an identity that never changes, that re- no matter what happens, no matter what the temperature is outside, no matter what somebody says to you, no matter if you're booed off stage, no matter if somebody blocks you, they didn't like what you said online, right? Like no matter what, this is an identity that never, ever changes, that never, ever falters. And however you identify spiritually, and some people loop religion in with that, it's a whole different question. But if you can find a spiritual grounding, then it just in short, doesn't matter what you think of the identity that I'm projecting to you in this moment, because regardless of how you respond to me, there is a bigger, better, stronger, more powerful, never changing identity that I always fall back on. And that is a spiritual foundation. I love that. You know, I was listening to uh, brother, Dr. Cornell West. And he said, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? You know, are you mm-hmm. are you are you checking to see what everybody else wants first before you present? Or are you determining what is going to be and then seeing how the world revolves around that? And I, and I realized last yes. night I was a thermometer and not a thermostat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when, when we That's talk, a great way to put it. And, and so when we talk about uh, you talked about spiritually and figuring out who you are at all times, how do you help people uh, uncover that or discover that? So I think meditation is the most powerful thing that you can do on your own, right? Like there are so many different ways that you can tap into people who deliver spiritual or religious messages and all these things. But meditation is something that you can do on your own whenever you want for free. I mean, it's free. And you tap into this, you tap into this super consciousness, which if you look at a psychosynthesis, it actually, uh, really outlines that really, really well, a super consciousness, which is above, um, 
above ego, above the things that we experience in this realm, but this kind of like super truth. So the what I, I always um, encourage people to try meditation out. Um, some people have had some poor experiences with it. I think that there's a lot of expectations that come with meditation, right? Like even as I'm saying this, thinking about how someone might receive that, like, oh my gosh, if I just meditate, then I'll tap into the super consciousness and I'll never identify with my ego again. And that's a huge expectation. Okay. That is, that's a lot to put on, um, to put on meditation, even though it can give you that, you don't necessarily have to expect that going into it. It can start really just as like a five minute quiet time. You just think if you just kind of tune it back down, get rid of the super consciousness and disidentification of ego and all that stuff. Because it really, when it comes down to it, meditation is about stillness and quietness without all of the expectations. I believe, I truly believe that if you practice meditation often, you will come to those truths. But if you're just starting out, the goal is just to be quiet and just to be still. And in that, in those cases, if we can kind of dial back those expectations, people normally find that the experience really isn't so bad and that it's actually quite nice. Well, you know, we've been conditioned from a kid that, that, uh, to hate quiet time. Mm. You know, I hated that in school. Uh, mm-hmm. all right. All right. Now it's quiet time. He was like, well, I want to, I want to play. I want to do things or, uh, you know, sitting quietly meant you you were being punished for something. So I think on a mm-hmm. subconscious level, we had this uh, visceral negative association with yeah. sitting quietly, right? With doing nothing. Yes. Um, and, and but now it's a, it's a way of transformation and reflection and uh, and connection. I think that that's a really really good point. I mean, you think about like like I think about when I was in school and it would like in elementary school and it would be like, okay, if this table's being too loud now, you have to be quiet and or like you have to go sit at this table all by yourself, right? And like so there is a negative connotation um, that is seated in you when you're really young and. We could say a lot about that, about this fear of what happens if you do speak your mind or what happens if what happens when your thoughts, true, your pure thoughts really do come out. There is a there is. Oh, gosh, Leo. Oh, you're going to get me started on this one. But get started, girl. Let's go. <laughs> I think that there is I think that there is this fear of, oh, my gosh, what are my pure thoughts? What do I what do I really want? If I really express myself fully, what would come out? And so we kind of then are, we revert, I'll say we we revert to just being quiet instead. And when it comes to adults telling children, just be quiet or just don't talk back and all of that. Now there's disciplinary reasons that we could get into. We won't about that, about those kinds of things. Um, But it does kind of, I think you used a really good word, condition you to say, well, what if my voice really doesn't matter? And that's something that we have to unlearn that really that inner voice that you have, especially as you've grown into whatever, who, and whoever adult that you are, um, it does matter. And that's really the only truth is what, what do you believe? What do you think? How do you want to express yourself? Um, but I think that actually that unlearning is an amazing part of the, um, the human journey and process. So I really want to change it. I think that that's, um, I think that's just part of the journey that we're on. Uh, I'm all about the journey. Uh, I actually, to, to the point where I love flying to a place, I, I don't really need to go there. I just, I like packing my bags, <laughs> getting on the plane. And then like, once we land there and I stretch out a little bit, I could easily get uh-huh. right back on a plane and come back. 
Uh, it's the anticipation. It's the anticipation. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's never as great as, you know, Thailand ain't as great as the videos. Is that 4K drone shot? It's not. I mean, it's nice, <laughs> but but that 4K drone shot is, is the best. Um, let's, how old are you, Taylor? I'm 26. 26. All right, so I want to. I want. I gotta. I gotta peel back the layers on Taylor for a second. We we peel yeah. back the layers on so many other things. You're you're born and raised in Atlanta, Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach, and mm-hmm. uh, so tell me about what what started you on this journey. I I assume that most people who get into the wellness field have struggled on some level with wellness or or mental health. What was your journey? So I always played sports. I started playing sports when I was four. Soccer was my first one, and I played that for years. I added field hockey. No, I added basketball after that, and then field hockey came after that. Uh, people in the South, like, never know what field hockey is, but, I mean, just, like, look at it. It's kind of like lacrosse, but it's not. Um, and after uh, after I left Virginia Beach, I went to Virginia Tech. That was – actually, I went to a therapist. When I was pro- the first time I went to a therapist, I was probably I was probably like twelve years old. Um, I went the second therapist that I saw. I was at Virginia Tech after a very bad breakup, um, and I was with her for a little bit. That was also the first time that it was actually the only time that I'd, I'd been just dis- been prescribed. Um, and, uh, I, it was probably an antidepressant, um, which was really used more for my anxiety at the time. After that, I went, when I came, to, I came to Atlanta the summer after I graduated from Virginia tech, which was in 2015. And, I saw one therapist when I was uh, in grad school, um, and then one of my professors, uh, she introduced me to my therapist now, who I would never let go like for anything in the world. I think she's amazing, and she'll just be my therapist for life, whether she knows it or not. Um, so yeah, I've had therapists throughout my life, and I plan to have a therapist um on call, like for the rest of my life. I love therapy. But for me, my, my struggles initially were, it's like, when I was at Virginia Tech, that was real. That was the first time I really experienced depression and really understood what it felt like to just not want to get up and to like randomly cry and just feel like, there is nothing that's going to fix this. I'm going to feel this way forever. Um, and when I was in my senior year at Tech, I did an internship at Virginia Tech's um, Marriage and Family Therapy Center, where their PhD marriage and family therapists do their work. And I got an internship there. I decided to apply to grad school and came to Atlanta. Okay. All right. So we, we got a lot to play with here. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. A lot, lot to play with. <laughs> First of all, uh, huge. I went to Ball State University and uh, field hockey was mm-hmm. a huge sport at, at Ball State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, From I, the North. Right. So a lot of people, yeah. you're right. A lot of people don't know about, about field hockey, but I think it's yeah. going to take over because uh, a girl's field hockey game is just as, looks just as competitive as uh, men's field hockey, you know, it's crazy. So, so it's going, it's going to grow <laughs> that and lacrosse, I think is also, 
uh, uh-huh. growing right now. Uh, so so look that up. Look at look at look at it. Check out a field hockey game, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, why why you why you waiting on football and basketball and all these other sports? So right. Watch some old, like like who's a famous? Is there a famous field hockey player? Uh, not that I know of. Uh, no, nobody you know, with a Nike I, endorsement I, or not. no, nobody. Nike hasn't caught on to it yet, but uh, you know there might be somebody coming up. <laughs> now, when you you said the the depression really hit you at, at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that freshman due, year? Was that due to the transition from home to college? Was that due to something that happened at college? A break? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was a, the combination of a couple of things. So I think a lot of times when you look at where someone, when someone finally comes in and says, um, "I'm depressed," or they they are they get to a point where they're diagnosed with that, whether they you know had an idea that they were diagnosable or not. Um, there's what I would call a, there's usually a perfect storm of events. So for me, it was the transition, um, which I didn't think I, I, I didn't think that it had as much of an effect as it probably did. I mean, it's, it's huge. Like it's, that's a huge, huge shift. So the transition and then this breakup that happens right before, uh, coming into college, And so, like, not having the same support system that I could normally rely on um, and then getting used to this huge schedule shifts, all these different responsibilities. And then, you know, I was seeing all these people. Virginia Tech does an amazing job with their freshman students. Eventually, I was an orientation leader and got to lead the freshmen. And it was just so funny because I was leading them in. And I was like, well, at this time, I didn't tell them this. But at that time, I was just so depressed. And so it was funny how it ended up where I was like this, I became like Miss Virginia Tech, like just loved it so much. But at the beginning, it wasn't like that at all. So I was seeing all these people have so much fun and get and getting to know all these people and just loving their life. And at least it seemed that way. And that's another really important thing to note that when you are feeling that depressed, it looks like everybody is living their best life every single day. And you just can't figure out why you can't get there. And so I had this like perfect storm of events that were happening. And so it just really exasperated the issue. So I would say it wasn't just the breakup, but the breakup was the catalyst that really like lit everything on fire. It's so hard to deal with a breakup. I mean, when we're young, Mm -hmm. everybody's telling you just get over it. You're young. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. We miss one bus, another bus will come. And like you said, it's not meeting mm-hmm. us where we're at, you know, whether it's a breakup or job loss or any type of transition. It's like, yeah, but this but right now, though, it hurts, you know, right right now. It, it's, it's painful. And and I and I've, I wasn't equipped with this. And we do live in such a feel good society. And I say society mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't know if you ever watched a European movie. But those European mm-hmm. movies, they they delve deeply into the darkness. They don't have happy. Yes. You don't know. You don't yes. know if the good people are going to get away or not. Like you don't know if they're right. going to end it's up very together. Somber. It's very, it's very somber, somber, very melancholy. Yeah. You, you don't yes. know what's going to happen. Uh, you watch an American movie, you're like, all right, they they fight now, but of course it's going to work out and uh, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Uh, so yeah, we we overhype happiness and joy, and, yes, uh, excitement, and it's like, damn, I can't be sad for. Can I just be mm-hmm. just passed away? Can I take a second? Right. Uh, <laughs> and and you're right. It's like your friends they don't know how to comfort you because they like they want you to either go party or let's go drinking mm-hmm. or something maladaptive for right, the most right. part or you know. 
And so we, we haven't been well versed in, in, in melancholy. You know, we don't, we don't read the Tolstoys mm-hmm. and, and the Nobokovs, you know, mm-hmm. that, that get, get into all the feelings that, that we need to mm-hmm. feel. How, so when you went to, when, how did you get through that? Like, what, was, what were the steps that you took to navigate through those emotions? I, I, if I remember correctly, I think therapy was first and then it kind of like ran into me getting involved with a Bible study that was across, that was around campus, but they had a Bible study in every dorm. And I got, um, I got with those ladies and that really helped so that, you know, I was lacking a support system. And so that really gave me a support system. It gave me that spiritual foundation that, I mean, I, I, I always grew up. Um, I identified as Christian for my whole life, but it wasn't always super, it wasn't like a super active thing. It was just something like, oh, someone asked me like, oh, like, what's your religion? I would say I'm a Christian. You know, it was just like a, I would say it was a passive thing. I didn't have, but I didn't have a spiritual foundation. I had a religious identification. And so getting in touch with that spiritual foundation, um, those two things really, really helped And I started to channel my energy into productivity, um, which isn't all, I mean, there's definitely, uh, that can get maladaptive, like that perfectionism, like I just have to produce, 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 and that'll make me feel better, um, which that definitely happened too. So I kind of swung from like one extreme to the other, which is normal for a lot of people. Um, so it's like therapy, that support system, and then um, getting really involved. I'm Virginia Tech has so many like things that people get involved in. It's a, I mean, it's like a super like yeah, like a rah rah school, you know. So I got like super involved with a lot of different activities, and that helped. Getting involved, right? Because it's the opposite mm-hmm. of what we want to do when we're hurt, sad, exactly. Draw. We want to isolate. We want to close down. We don't call our friends mm-hmm. back. But, but that's mm-hmm. the time to reach out. That's the time to be seen. That's the time to show up. That's the time to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, and so I was, uh, so can you share with me, I, I want to go all the way back to the beginning, mm-hmm. what you were saying in an in Instagram video in terms of people who are dealing with bullies and, and what, what was that message? So that message is about knowing who you are because we all know at this point, I mean, everybody's got an opinion, everybody's got an opinion. And especially when you're starting to move forward. So when you step forward, there are so many people that you'll see pop up to try to step in and they step in with an opinion, but it's not the truth of who you are. And when you can identify the truth of who you are and that's like you, you're the only one that can define that. People can give you ideas. People can point you in the right direction, give you the right book, send you the right link. But if you don't identify with that truth, especially if you're in a depressed state, it just doesn't matter. But when you can step into that identification of who you are and be confident in that, then nothing that these bullies or the haters or people who um, are who who speak abusively to you or who behave abusively to you, it, it we can we reject it. We we don't even entertain it because I have a foundation of who I am, and so you can't come into my life and tell. Me, I say this is your mind is your house. So you think about like if someone comes and knocks on your door 
and you open the door and you say, hi, why are you here? And they say, I came here to paint all the walls green. You would say, no, this isn't your house. You can't do that. And you have to, you have to treat your mental space that same way. So this is my mind is my house. And you can't come into my house and tell me how to think or how to be or who I am. I define what happens in my house. That's your domain. Perfect example. I, I used to substitute teach. And mm -hmm. I was, it was at a Jewish uh, uh, school, actually. Uh, it was an uh, ele elementary school. I think there were eighth graders or maybe even middle school. And there was a, I gave the kids their math assignment because I suck at math. I was like, here's your assignment. And then I was mm -hmm. I just like pulled up a magazine. It was like, you're on your own. Um, <laughs> and, and so this one girl asked another girl for help. I was like, you know, help each other out. Mm -hmm. And the, the other girl responded, you're so dumb. Like, how, how could you not know how to do this? Mm. And, you know, of course, I'm about to jump in and, you know, there's no how you talk. But immediately the other girl responded with, yeah, but how do you, how do you do number, how do you do number four? <laughs> and the, the, the other girl was like, yes. oh, my God, you're so, like, like, this is just, it's so easy. And still unflinchingly, mm -hmm. stoically, the girl looked right back at her and was like, yeah, but. How do, how do you do number four? Mm, mm. And finally, the other girl was like, okay, so first you have to carry this and then move that and then you <laughs> have to blah, blah, blah. And the girl went right back to work. Like, mm -hmm. in her head, she was like, yeah, maybe I'm dumb now. Maybe I don't know. But once you show me how to do it, that will no longer be true. In less than a yes. minute, I'll be as smart as you. Once you show yes. me what you know, then then we on the same page. I'm Absolutely. just uh, Right. And I was like, Wow. I never forgot that, that. That's huge. That's huge, right? Like, and I love that. I mean, never, I think you should never be embarrassed by what you lack. In that story you just told, this person, this this child lacked the knowledge of how to get or the how to how to get to the answer. And she wasn't embarrassed by it. She owned it. Yeah, I just don't know how to do number four. And that's and that's it. I don't have to be embarrassed by that. If anything, I mean, the, the people that can acknowledge their gaps, they should be praised. These are the models that we should be looking after, right? Because they're willing to say, I don't have this. I might have a lot of other things together, but I want to talk about what I don't have. And I actually want to align with the, the people that might have some information for me. Because if you know so much, maybe you could overflow it into me. I think that's amazing. It was so amazing, and and I I I never said to that girl how powerful that moment was, mm. uh, and and I, I look back and now I, I regret that because uh, because you know sometimes we don't realize the impact that we have on the people around us because the people mm -hmm. around us aren't giving us the feedback on our on our mm. impact right like like mm -hmm. we, I, I, in my head like she knew all the things like she was the guru i, I would have i would have went to her for all the things you know and but but maybe in her head that was the one part that she knew and that was the one moment of her strength but there are other areas mm. that she struggled with and, and and me saying something to her about how powerful that moment was because maybe she didn't even realize it uh yeah. for whatever sometimes we don't realize our power and our strength and how great we are 
Yeah, that's so real. I mean, I think that when you see something amazing and beautiful or something that you admire, absolutely, we should speak on these things. And, you know, we think that the people who, like, in, in that moment, that's something that you're like, oh my gosh, that's such a standout moment. And we think that we, we generalize that to all areas of that person's life, right? That snapshot, oh, they must just be confident all the time. And maybe that's not the case. Right. So be, so I think you're exactly right. Pointing those things out to people, it just reinforces it and goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. I feel seen. You see my strength and my power. And now I just feel even better about doing that all the time. And and I, and I love that you talked about see something, say something, because unfortunately, that's gotten wrapped up in something negative. You see a bomb, mm-hmm. you see something threatening. Mm-hmm. Uh, or scary, or, or something out of place, or a person with a hoodie on, uh, then mm-hmm. call, then call somebody, say something. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, when you see greatness, when you see right. kindness, when you see compassion, when you see uh, integrity and honesty and love and sharing, say something. Be like, "Wow, that was really right. that was really uh, thoughtful of you to give up your seat for that person." That, that was really beautiful of you for, for mm-hmm. you to walk uh, uh, into the street because you weren't wearing a mask on and you saw that this a family had a mask on. Like when, yes. when you see something, say something. When you see your spouse do, do something around the house, when they, when they clean up, say something. You know, when they, yes. when they make your breakfast, say something. When you see yes. something, uh, oh, don't, don't make me get all, don't say oh, do something. Don't, on, don't make me do it now. Don't make me get up out the chair. It's a it's a Friday. Yeah. Preach it now. Preach it. No, I love that. It's so 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 real. And I'm oh my gosh. For, I mean, there's two two huge things. And what I heard you say, one is like where we are all so childlike in the way that we're reinforced. We, I mean, we love we. Every person responds to reward. And it doesn't mean giving somebody a literal token, but like just that pat on the back, that acknowledgement is a reward. And the more that you reward, the more that you reinforce, the more you get what you want, the more you get great behavior, the more you get people wanting to give to you. If you say, oh my gosh, I loved when you when you helped me with when you helped when you came out and helped me bring the bags in, the more that person's gonna wanna do it. And every so it's a win-win. But the second thing that really sticks out to me, especially especially in this time that we're in, sometimes it can almost feel, um, I think for some people, it feels almost strange to focus on the positive because there's so much negativity that's being poured out. And it's real and it's valid and it's important that we talk about all of those things, right? So um, gosh, all of all of that. So it can feel almost like strange or you're, or, you're, or you're out of place when you want to highlight something really positive. It can feel like you're detracting. But I really, really believe that we need both. I think we need people that are, that are headstrong. You wanna, you have, you're going to be in the issues. You, you are almost like you're antagonistic. We, you need antagonizers in cases. But you also, we, need to ba- we can balance that too by having people who are willing to share the people that are doing positive things, who are willing to speak on all of the good things in the world. It doesn't detract. It actually reinforces um, our, our commitment to going to the same goal, which is more peace, more unity, right? We all want that. We all want that, right? And both both sides work together to get to that goal. Absolutely. I was just watching the other day. There is, uh, she's either 91 or mm-hmm. 94. Because I, I forget how long ago the video was shot. And she's still alive. She mm-hmm. is a gymnast. When you see okay. a woman in her 90s, in her 90s, ladies and gentlemen, 
doing a handstand. I can't do a handstand. Do, doing a plank do on bars <laughs> in her 90s. It's amazing. Right? And 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 like you said, it's not to distract, it's not to detract. It's mm-hmm. to it's to recognize we could be both at war mm-hmm. and and in a place of growth. We could be in a yes. place of construction and destruction, in a place of joy mm-hmm. and pain. In a Ooh, place duality, of, of, of Leo. duality. Come on now, yin yang. You know, I, I <laughs> yes. study, I study, I read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. We can be both. <laughs> yes. I could love you and hate you all at the same mm. time. That might be a mm. personality disorder. But anyway, <laughs> I, I could be both. I could be both strong yes. and vulnerable. So yes. when, when we, t- so don't be at home. I, I, you know, I got my, my, one of my family members called me talking about she thinking about moving to Canada because of all mm-hmm. the things she watching in the news. And I was like, yeah, if that's all you're watching on the news, I'd want to move to Canada too, but you got to balance mm. out what you're feeding yourself. You can't just eat all meat. You got to eat your, you got to eat your vegetables. You got to eat your right. fruits. You got to right. get the fiber. You got to get the carbs. You got to it's got to balance out. Don't be don't oh, I'm just keto. All right, see how long you last on that keto diet. <laughs> you better you better mix long. it up. Not very long. I'm going to tell you that right now. And that's coming from a, a nutritionist right there. Um but I, I want to get into the, the 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 licensed marriage and family therapist side mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Taylor Chandler, okay? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of people are at home with their mm. loved ones. Uh, probably struggling with love, because uh, uh, going back to communication and, and how we talk to ourselves and how we talk to other people, a lot of people. It, it's can you talk to me about conflict resolution? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right, because we all know how to exist when things are good and cool. But but how do we de-escalate a situation? How do we yes. bring things down? Great question. So. Something that I think is really important, number one, you can only take responsibility for your part in the conversation, in the conflict. So my goal in a conflict with a partner is not to try to get you to do something. Even even the way that we word things can lead us down, like which road we're going to go, right? So like if I say, I need you to understand this. Well, do I need you to understand it or would it just be really helpful if you understood it? I noticed that even just that little minor change can take down someone's defensiveness. Instead of saying, you have to get this. I would say, it would be helpful for me if you could could hear this part. So immediately someone's defensiveness goes down because I'm not trying to get you to do something. I'm only speaking for what I need in this conversation right now. So that's huge. Like just, just understanding what your part is in the conversation and only speaking from you, from you. Um, but when you're in, also let's just say that everything is easier than it sounds right. Like, and when we're talking about conflict, conflict, um, resolution, there's so many things that people will throw out and it's like, yeah, that sounds great. But when I'm in the heat of it, what do I do when I'm already, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I'm in the conflict. I'm already, I'm already 30 minutes in. Now, what do I do? 
what you what what you can do is not be the one to drown the relationship. Okay, again, I can only take responsibility for what my role is, and what I'm going to do is try to focus on something positive or something that we can agree on, even if it's just for a moment. Even if it's just for a moment. So when you find yourself going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, when you're already in there, when you're in that kind of conflict where it's I say my side, you say your side, we already know nobody's listening, right? Nobody's really listening to the other person. You're just waiting to re- you're just waiting to react. You're not even responding at that point. So if I can then notice, first thing, I just need to be aware of what's going on. I need to notice that I'm in a conflict. The second thing that I can do is say, okay, if I'm in a conflict, let me do the opposite action. Let me say just one thing that isn't conflicting. What do we agree on? If I'm if we're disagreeing about who, let's use like the super cliche example, you were supposed to take out the trash. Well, one thing we can agree on, even if we're going back and forth, is we would like the house to be clean. We would want the house to smell good, right? Like that's a super basic thing. But if you say that in the middle of an argument, if you can find one thing that you two are agreeing on, because usually either you guys are trying to get to the same goal, you're just going about it in two different ways, just say what it is. And it immediately just disrupts the disrupts the cycle that you're in. And now I've injected something positive into it. Go ahead and take the responsibility to do that. And so when you do that and you break the cycle, uh, I think you'll immediately see that it it changes someone's reaction to you. And they'll say, yeah, we do want that. We do both want the house clean. And now, oh my gosh, we're on a, we're actually now on a totally different track than we were five seconds ago because we're not we we've come to common ground. And so that's really really important. Now, if you're unable to do that in the heat of the argument. I think timeouts are perfectly fine. A lot of therapists would, would agree that if you really find that you're just going down and down and you're about to drown in the conflict, the relationship's about to drown, we're going underwater, then then it might be time to say, like, let's just take five minutes or I'm going to take a five-minute walk and I just want to come right back. And then now we can just kind of start, try to start as fresh as possible and then get back into uh, and then get back into the conversation. What's typically ineffective is to notice that you're in conflict. So you got through step one, you're aware that you're in conflict, and you just keep doing the conflict. That's typically not the most helpful thing to do. Yeah, I love that. Of of what is it that we agree on? What what's the common ground here? Mm-hmm. Um, and and thinking about so what you're basically you know there's a book called. Uh, I want to say decision or decisive or something like that. And he talks about zooming in and zooming out. And, uh, you know, when we go using your example of the trash, right, we're we're talking about the Mm -hmm. trash that we're zooming in on this very specific thing. But when Mm -hmm. we zoom out as to what's our, what's our purpose here, what's, what's the bigger Mm -hmm. picture. It's like, Mm -hmm. we we both want to keep the house clean And, Mm -hmm. and maybe we weren't clear on what that meant. Maybe yes. we weren't clear on uh, what our standards are. Uh, and, and, and that's okay because we are at all times learning about each other. And also, too, to recognize their seasons, meaning that, I, you know, when I think about college, I was clean, but during finals week, man, you might find everything everywhere, you know? <laughs> At, at all times, <laughs> yeah. And, and so to to say, hey, are you are you going through something right now that taking out the trash is too much for you? Is there That's is there so a way important. that we can 
work around that for now, you know, because I I think what happens is that um, we put these strategies, routines and and, uh, 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 whatever in place. And then Mm -hmm. we never come back to say, hey, is this is this still working for both of us Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. uh, do we need to change it or what about this is effective or ineffective? Right. I, I like that you said helpful. I, I'm, try, I'm working on uh, incorporating the word effective versus ineffective. Uh, and just like I have a routine, mm-hmm. I have a daily routine, and I recognize that my routine is great. Mm-hmm. However, there are times where I have to break the routine. Sometimes my routine gets in the way of my progress, and mm. I have to break that. And so sometimes taking out the trash can get in the way of some things. So, so then we, we, we figure it out, you know, uh, but we have to be willing to, to be honest and be present and have those conversations with each other. For sure. Being flexible, allowing the other person to be different than they were. Uh, I don't know the first day that you met them, right. Allowing for growth in that person, allowing even for regression at times, right. Because to think that all of us are always growing, progressing at every moment, every time. And we never have a moment of regression. We never, ever revert back to an old habit. It's unfair. It's unfair. You have to give someone the opportunity to um, mess up and also to redeem themselves, right? But like you said, communication is so paramount in that, not just um, letting things go that do bother you, but then when you do speak up about what bothers you, doing it in a respectful way, but in a way where you also consider the context. We are all in a different challenging time than we were three months ago, four months ago. And so considering the context is so important. And I'll say with that too, is uh, with context, being okay with saying, you know what? Babe, it's not about the trash. I'm really upset about whatever it is, right? Because especially right now, when you're in these, like, um, if you are, you have like a live-in partner or a partner that you see very, very often, where you're in these close quarters and maybe for longer periods than normal, you can find that you're arguing about things um, that are you would uh, consider on a normal day to be minute. But is it really about that thing or is it really something else? Is it really about trust? Is it really, I hate the way you communicate, don't work for me? Is it really about respect? Like, do I feel like when you don't take out the trash, you don't respect me? Well, that's a whole different conversation than about getting into a different routine, right? So so um, identifying what the real problem is um, and creating a space that's safe enough to allow yourself and the other person to be comfortable enough to be able to state it um, in, a, in, to use your word, an effective way. I love that, that idea of like, is it trash really about trash or is it about how it makes me feel? Uh, mm-hmm. you feel about me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah. Like, is it, is it a sign that something's wrong with our relationship? You know, like it, like we, yes. we do, we start to catastrophize and, and, and internalize all the things we see around us. And, and that's, that's what we're really looking for is, uh, we're really saying that it, it makes me feel a certain way, but we don't lead with our emotions. Right. And even mm-hmm. in stand up, I realized after I got off stage, what I was trying to lead with jokes and blah, blah, blah. When really I should have led with the emotion of, I miss you guys. I miss this. Mm. I miss being up here. Like mm-hmm. like that that was the predominant yes. emotion. But but I was I was too worried. I went up there like a little thermometer and was like, hey, how are you guys feeling? Instead of just leading with 
how I felt, which is which yes. is real courage, right? To say, here's how I feel. Uh, and it, because I've always hated in relationships when somebody, mm. you know, they look at you and they go, hey, so what are you thinking? Because what they're really saying is that this space between us is making me feel a certain way. I'm picking mm. up something. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I'm wanting you to identify how I'm feeling versus saying, hey, I feel this way right now. Oh, that's good. What are you oh, that's feeling? that's good, Leo. That's good. You, you, you like that? You're ex- you're, I like that. Take the you're baton, ex- girl. What you doing? Look, <laughs> that is exactly, oh my me. gosh. That is so real. And I mean, that, and that, what you're talking about too, I, what comes to my mind is taking responsibility for how that person, for how you feel in that moment, right? If I feel uncomfortable, I'm feeling, I'm feeling insecure or I'm feeling distant from you. How about I state that? Right. How about I I state that and give you that to work with and let's just get to the core of it rather than talking about all these like things on the fringes that really don't matter. Do we really care about the trash? Do we really care about the silence or is it about what the silence means? To me. And but that's that that comes with with building trust. Are you with someone you can trust? Have you been able to have vulnerable conversations? Have you gotten to a place where you can be vulnerable? And oftentimes I think a lot of people see that that work usually happens outside of the relation outside of a relationship. Um, that work that you're that you spend even knowing what is vulnerability, what does that look like? Can I even be vulnerable with myself? Can I be can I see myself? Um, oh gosh, Leah, we we could go on all day about this one. We might have to. We don't have to do a series. A series. On this uh, don't, don't, don't think I won't do it. Don't think we won't bring you back. <laughs> ATL, come on now. We got time. Everybody home right now. Don't, right, don't, right, right, right. Listen, don't let me call you. Don't pick up the phone. I know where you at. You ain't out in the streets right now. You ain't playing. No. You ain't playing field hockey. No, I'm home. Yeah, everybody, yeah. we're home. <laughs> what, what, you know, you work pre- predominantly with black women, right? That, yes. That's, that's your target demo. What yes. are the, the married black, uh, it's, it's, uh, two questions. One, mm-hmm. what, what are black women typically coming to you with at this time? And what are married black women coming to you with? Does that question make sense or? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. so. There, I would say one really big thing is wanting to have it all. And I really think you can have it all. I think you could have an amazing relationship, an amazing career, an amazing um, mental and spiritual and emotional life and physical life. I really, truly believe that. Um, But it's about like the balance of it all, right? You have, I mean, we're talking about Atlanta. I mean, this is like, this is the hub for every black entrepreneur, you want to be, I mean, if you're not in Atlanta, you're thinking about Atlanta. <laughs> like you, you trying to come to Atlanta. This, this is, this is the place. So this is, especially with, with black women who lead entrepreneurs in opening businesses and, um, be in becoming successful entrepreneurs, black women are leading the pack. And so balancing, uh, your career goals, your, um, defining your purpose, going after your, um, going after your purpose and finding the right counterpart for that. And unfortunately, oh, and I hate the narrative, Leo. I hate the narrative that that dating is hard in Atlanta, but 
it's that's I mean that's been internalized by so many people. It's a reality for a lot of people, honestly, that dating is really difficult um, for Black women. People want to talk about the ratio of women to men all the time. Um, first and foremost, none of those things are helpful to talk about because it's not solutions. It's just. Uh, it's just another version of whining, but it just has numbers attached to it. It's not helpful. Um, but I get that a lot. Nyla, a lot of um, it's it's really difficult to find the right person who can understand my drive and who can um, support me in the way that I want to be supported and also go after my career goals at the same time. So that's a really big one. Um, with married Black women... You find that there are, uh, there's this, there's a, an unfortunate narrative of black, about black men, um, in Atlanta when it comes to like the relationship realm, not even considering everything else, but we're just talking about relationships, but this, um, like the, this idea that black men cheat, um, that there aren't, that they're black, that the black wives girlfriends aren't also married. So there's like a, you know, like this is just normal human behavior that married people like to hang around married people, date people that are dating, like to be around people that are dating, single people, group with single people. So not being able to find like a healthy, this uh, this narrative that you're unable to find a healthy community of like like-minded people who are invested in marriage and invested in like the integrity of holding the relationship together. So those, I would say those are the two really, really big things. Well, I, you know, and, and where I, this, a lot of this is probably being fed through the media. Absolutely. And, and, and it's like, cause everybody's at home and, and it does have a, a huge effect on how we see the world. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that mm-hmm. we all assume that everybody's thinking and feeling the same thing. So we stop asking each other questions. We stop we, we, we stop. We don't even go up to the person that we're interested in and, and really finding out. We just kind of log yes. that person into uh, our stereotypes or, or whatever paradigm that we have uh, running through our, our brain. And we don't find out yes. for ourselves. This is why I love to travel the world, mm. because uh, mm-hmm. so many there's so many parts of the, the world, so many parts of of of, of this this planet. Um, are are displayed in a way that it can you know it's to scare us like don't go mm-hmm. over there they're fighting they're kidnapping they're this they're mm-hmm. that and then you go there and you have you find out that they're loving they're caring compassionate right I mean they right. kidnapping too don't get me wrong but <laughs> but, but you find mm-hmm. out that is is not to the extent that has right. been portrayed you know what growing up I thought all of Africa had babies with flies around the head. And that's just mm-hmm. real because mm-hmm. those were the only images of Africa that we were shown. It was Sally right. Field with a white baby and mm-hmm. or a black baby, and it had. And then mm-hmm. you know, I go to Africa, and I'm like, "Hold up, man! Like this is here. You right, know, right, it's beautiful." Right. And you find out that a lot of Europeans are actually vacationing there and got the summer. And you're like, "Yo, like I gotta see. I gotta see the rest of the world." I got to see the rest of the world. So we got to explore our culture more. Yes. Um, That's such a, that's, that's a really good way of looking like on a macro level, how you can apply that in a micro level, looking at your own intimate world, the same way you want to explore. You don't need to go all the way across the globe to find, um, to find something new 
right? If you can be open-minded and flexible enough to say, there is something new right here in the city. There is a new, like, I don't have the same, you, you, the word, to use your word, I don't have to put everyone, go, go, go by my old paradigm about what is um, a Black relationship supposed to be like. Can I be flexible enough open enough to look at this person as an individual and wonder about their values and wonder about their experiences. Um, it's so important instead of like, and, and that's why I say, you know, it's such an unfortunate narrative because it's a story that we tell ourselves about a group of people that could very well and isn't true. It's not true. It's a myth. It's a myth. And if you can just just even if you could, you don't have to accept that. If you can wonder about it, if you can wonder about that for 30 days, I can change your whole dating life. If you can wonder about it for 30 days, your whole relationship life will change. You don't even have to accept it. You don't got to do it. Don't even buy into it. Just wonder about it and see what happens. I, I, lo- I love that. It's like uh, lead with curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Find out. And why this is powerful, because yes, we're talking about race and we're talking about a, specifically, I mean, we really zoomed in, but we're really mm. talking about people out there struggling with mental health who mm-hmm. are not receiving help or going to get help because mm-hmm. of the narrative, uh, the stories that they're telling themselves about themselves, mm-hmm. one that, that they can't, uh, that tomorrow, that things can't get better, right? Mm-hmm. And that there's no one who can help me and that there's no one who wants to help me. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, if, if you could just spend 30 days of in, in curiosity of expansion yes. of wonderment yes. to find out of all these things you're telling about yourself, mm-hmm. about the people around you and the resources mm-hmm. available to you. Uh, is it actually true that, that no one can help you, that no one wants mm-hmm. to help you, sir? that you, that there's mm-hmm. no, there's been no progress. There's been, there's mm-hmm. no signs of hope. Is that mm-hmm. true in 30 days? Come on. And you'll find that it's that it's not right every time, every time. And that's why I don't have to ask you to buy into it. You you ain't gotta pay me for that one. I'll just ask you to be curious about it. And that's fact checking, right? That's that's just like let's take an irrational thought, let's take a current thought, and let's just see about it. Let's just see: is there any sign of hope? Is there any light? Did you laugh at all? Right. I never laugh where I'm always down or I'm crying all the time, all the time, every time you'll you'll see you'll see that that, that it's that it's not true. Right. And the goal is to, to hook onto those moments. Um, and we we remember things that are emotional to us. And that's why depression sucks so bad. Right. Because it's so emotional. And then we it's so easy to attach events to it. Like um, I had I, I was depressed during graduation. And so now graduation was depressing. I was depressed at my family family reunion. My family is depressing because it's so emotionally charged. We remember it. Things that have emotions to it, it sticks to us like glue. So we've got to make those happy moments emotional. Right. So first we start with the facts. Um, did I did I smile today? Oh, I smiled one time. How do I make that emotional? Maybe if I write about it and I write about how it felt when I smiled. How did it feel when I got to talk to that friend? Let me let me take that fact and then let me zoom in on the emotion of that event and it'll stick. And now it's easier for me to recall. Now when I ask you, did you have any any good day this week? Instead of saying, no, no, it's just another bad week, 
Well, no, because I zoomed I, because that person has already zoomed in on that event, and now it's stuck because I, I focused so much on how it felt when when I was happy that w- even if it was just one time, if I got one time, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good because you got one time, and that was better than no times because last week it was zero. Last week you said it was none, and so this week if I got one, that's progress. Ooh, I love that. Tell me how it feels to make progress. Boom, emotional charge. Ooh, you're gonna remember that. You're going to remember that when I asked you about that and how it felt. So we've got to make those happy moments. It's not just a fact because when you're depressed, it just looks like an event. But I want to know how it felt in that event because now it'll stick. And when I, if I can keep getting them to stick, well, now I've made 0%. Can I get 12 in in seven days, can I get 12%? Can I get, um, if, can, what is it going to take to get you to 15% next week? Oh, you need one more happy event? Great, great. Well, you've already shown me that you got, you can get one. You got one last week. You got one the week before. We can get another one this week. So we're just we're just building a track record, and I'm gonna make it emotional for you, so it'll stick. I, you know what? The, the, a couple things I want to unpack. We, we, I want to. There's three things. Uh, we might mm-hmm. get a little heavy here. You let me know if you want to get on this okay. roller coaster with Leo. Flowers. All right. Oh, oh, okay. I'm already strapped in. Let's go. All right. All right. So <laughs> one is uh, when we talk about all the time. You cry all the time. Mm-hmm. Me and my girl, we got this thing where uh, she'll say uh, I'm, I'm great or I'm awesome. You know, all, all the things that Leo Flowers is. But I will <laughs> respond. I respond with sometimes. She'll be like, oh, mm. you're, you're amazing. Yeah, sometimes. Oh, you mm. know, uh, 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 um, and anytime she uses these like black and white or even myself, if I use a black and white term, Always mm-hmm. like to 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 bookend it with sometimes because okay. I, I'm never a thing all the time. I'm not great mm-hmm. all the time, you know. Or else we wouldn't mm-hmm. get in. The, uh, we wouldn't have any discourse. There wouldn't be any any tension, any 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 passion, any any emotion between mm-hmm. us, right? And so whether it's a uh, quote unquote positive or negative, effective or ineffective, I always bookend it with sometimes. Some you know, it's like I feel great sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I, I slept horribly sometimes like everything is, yeah. is, is sometimes or most of the time or but ain't, nothing is all the time. No emotion mm-hmm. is all the time. And and that's good for people who, like you said, are struggling with depression or struggling with anger, who are struggling with uh, maybe even mania. You know, we always talking about depression mm-hmm. and, 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 yeah. and, and sad, but mania can can can, uh, uh, you know, disrupt your whole life and destroy it and and, and, uh, and and create some uh, some type of downward spiral. Uh, or mm-hmm. even excitement. There are a lot of uh, stats that are coming out now talking about emotional driving, not just drunk driving, mm. but people be in their mm. car, they'll get, they'll receive good news, be so excited about the good news, having a baby, getting a raise, and then they mm-hmm. get in a car accident. It, it, they, they, they lose, um, you know, perspective. They, they mm-hmm. lose, con- they lose their true North because it's emotional. Like you said, um, mm-hmm. the second thing I wanted to talk about was, um, Oh man, I forgot the the second thing. But so we'll skip that. The okay. the last thing because you talked we talked about emotions and how to make things stick, right? Mm-hmm. When when we look at the the eight minutes and forty six seconds of the video, people will ask mm-hmm. me why why this video? Why does video got people out in the streets? Because mm-hmm. it was emotional. See mm-hmm. the other videos. Mm-hmm. The other videos were were quick. It was mm-hmm. it was it was like they were almost a meme. <laughs> they mm-hmm. were almost a gif, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, cops pull up quick, pull out the gun, bam, 
Yeah. Body drops. Boom. And then we like, all right. Yeah. Uh, and the Kardashians, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but eight minutes and 46 mm-hmm. seconds mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. long because mm-hmm. w- when, when you see somebody get shot, there's no, there's no time for you to get emotional. Uh, mm. Right. Because let's yes. think about what a shooting is. A shooting is an action movie. It's action. Right. We love mm-hmm. an action movie. Rambo, mm-hmm. uh, uh, any of the, the rocks movies, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, fast and furious people get shot all the time. We take our kids to go see action movies. It's not a big deal to see someone mm-hmm. get shot. There's no emotion that we feel with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but in, in this case, we had torture. Yes. We don't like torture. We don't like to see something drawn out, mm, right? It's mm, not the death mm-hmm. that, that sticks with us. It's how they die. That's what people will say. I'm not afraid of dying, uh, of mm, death. Yeah. I, I'm afraid of how I'm going to die. And, yes. and, and, and so we had, we had nonchalance in his video from the, from the mm-hmm. officer. He had his mm-hmm. glasses up on his forehead. He had his hands in his mm-hmm. pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost had a little smirk, like, and and if you if you watch any of these mm-hmm. Law and Order videos, um, you you know that the first kill is always the hardest. There's always some hesitation mm. marks. There was no mm. hesitation with him, so he's done this yeah. before, and so we mm-hmm. knew this on a subconscious level. This has been done before, mm-hmm. right? And he was comfortable doing it again. Yeah. So yeah. we have eight minutes and 46 seconds to sit with this and to hear a man cry for his mother. He wasn't cursing back. He wasn't angry. He was, mm-hmm. he was in pain. We don't like to see mm-hmm. something in pain. We only like to see animals in pain. Mm-hmm. We don't like to see something mm-hmm. hurt. Immediately, we want it. We want it. Mm-hmm. The, the dare gets hit. We got, get out the car. You got to shoot it in the head and kill it. But we didn't have we didn't we didn't have that privilege this time. This time we had to sit with it. We had to we had mm-hmm. to feel that, and that's why this video spurred the movement that you see because it's something we this is a, this is a, a a murder that we felt. It wasn't a quick yeah. meme. Yeah. Right. And so it goes back to what you were saying in terms of when when we. Uh, feel something emotionally, mm-hmm. it sticks with us. It spurs mm-hmm. us to act. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We step away from the stats, the quick fixes, the microwave dinners. No, 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 no. I want you to feel every part of this. And 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 as another metaphor, yes. uh, the other reason why it stuck is because we're all at home. We didn't have our numbing tools. Yeah. We didn't have yeah. we didn't have yeah. Sunday football. We didn't have basketball games. We didn't have work on Monday. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. We had to mm-hmm. see this video over and over again in the confines of our home, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it wasn't yeah. something that we saw, got mad about on for two days, and then moved on. No, no, no. Oh no, we're on the same ship with this one. So, oh my gosh, yes. The stick of the, the stick of there's a, it has to be emotional what you're feeling and why you're doing a thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. All of that. There's so much that we could say about that. I think I think it that just ties all of this stuff that we've been talking about 
together. It's what happens in the gap, like from the beginning, the, like that initial moment, we're talking about the eight minutes, 46 seconds, from second one to minute and second, eight minutes and 46 seconds, that gap is where all of this exploded from. It was what happened in the gap. And we, I, could, I could say that about every single thing we talk. It's what's in the gap. When you're talking to your partner, what, instead of just rushing to the solution, how about, what's, how about sitting in the gap? When we're talking about someone who is, who is suicidal, instead of rushing them to, uh, I don't know, just go get some sunlight and step on a treadmill. What, what about just meeting you in the gap? What's in the gap? That's where the change is. That's where the change happens. That's where everything you need happens. As horrible as George Floyd's death is, is, it is horrible. It wasn't, it's not past tense. It is horrible. In this gap is exploding all of these things that, like you said, we don't have, and you use a really interesting word, the privilege of ignoring. We don't have the privilege of fast forwarding to the end. We are in the gap and we are uncomfortable in this gap Yes, because of the nature of what it of what it was, the whole every single thing about it, right? Because of what it because of what it is. But also because we are so unaccustomed to being in the gap. We just want to move to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. We don't even know what it's like to be in in grief for eight minutes and 46 seconds. That's what it is, right? We're in, in grief. In more in, in eight, eight minutes and forty six seconds of pure um, disgust for eight minutes and forty six seconds of devastation for eight minutes and forty six seconds. It's not something that you can, like you said, like like meme it. This is something that you have to. It's in the it's in the gap that all the feelings come out of. And so so this is an amazing, um, if you could call it a lesson. I don't. It's it's difficult. This is such a uh, difficult situation to like kind of. Um, it's an awkward thing to like attach positive things to still to me, like take, you know, um, I don't personally, um, like when we're like, well, let's just look at the bright side, right? I'm not calling this a bright side. I am calling this like a challenging lesson that if we can, um, be in the practice of, of being, um, aware of what's happening in the gap, then there is the potential for amazing growth to happen and amazing change to happen. Even though the gap is horrible, no matter what good thing comes out of it, it doesn't make the gap any less devastating. It's just acknowledging that there is something that can, that does come out of the gap that can move us forward. Taylor, I, I really appreciate you sharing all your thoughts and ideas with us. Is there anything that we haven't talked about? I mean, you, 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 you're, you're a triple threat. Uh, we could we we got so much to talk about. We ain't even get into the nutrition <laughs> and the food side. Oh my god! Uh, of how that affects. We ain't we ain't talk about how how your diet could affect. You know how you know, I, I posted the yeah, other day. I was like, yeah. how much of how you feel is what you're feeding yourself? And I meant that mm-hmm. on every level, from uh, food, from media. To yeah. the people you're surrounding yourself with, to, to the way you're talking to yourself, relationships, all of that, um, and uh, but we we got to have you back. We got to have you back for sure. I would love to come back. This is great because uh, we the, we got to do a, we got the Malcolm X. This is like you know, <laughs> I, I, people a lot of people don't remember what, but then when that movie was released, uh, he mm-hmm. had to release it in two parts. That's how long mm-hmm. that movie was like four hours long, and, yeah. and uh, my sciatica can't can't be sitting through all of that. <laughs> 
So we're going to Malcolm. We got to give the people yeah. a water break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna, we're going to space you out, Taylor. Uh, is there is there anything that we haven't talked about, though, that you you feel like like needs to be shared for people who may be struggling with uh, uh, feeling lonely, feeling a, like a burden, mm-hmm. feeling hopeless? Is there anything mm-hmm. that you want to share with them? I would say that the the first thing that you um, that's imperative and vital that you give yourself is grace. Um the grace to feel that way, the compassion to your towards yourself, because the world is asking for um, for compassion from everybody. But you've got to save some for yourself. You've got to save some for yourself. Um, I'm not going to tell you what order to do it in, like whether you want to give it to the world first or give it to yourself first, because right now this is just a whole different kind of a whole different monster that we're dealing with. So that your priority is is up to you, but you've got to have some for yourself. Um, and to, to, to work at this stuff in chunks, um, you know, there's like, there's, there's so many different things that you could focus on, but what I would absolutely recommend for anybody is that, um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling, um, like that feeling of devastation, which I think most of us have had like a, at least a semblance of it over the last couple of months to feel that hopeless feeling, um, just pick one thing. No matter what everybody else is is talking about, once and wants you to give your attention to, and petitions that you need to sign, and and rallies that you need to go to, and meetings that you need to attend, and Zoom calls you need to get on, just pick, pick one thing. Just pick one, and give yourself at least seven days. I like thirty. I like thirty, but I'm also I'll work with you on this. Just just give yourself seven days to focus on that one thing. If you want to get outside more, for seven days, focus on that thing and give yourself the the opportunity to feel accomplishment and progress in one thing, in one thing. And then everything else will build, will build on top of that, but just pick one and chunk it out, chunk it out. I love that. And then last question, Mm -hmm. uh, I always imagine, well, actually plug all your things. Where can people find you if they want to work with you? Plug all of that. Shameless plug. Yeah. So you can find me at Thresh Coach, T-H-R-E-S-H, coach.com. Same thing on Instagram, at Thresh Coach. Uh, You can find me there. Send me a DM or an email. It'll come right to me. And uh, my phone number is also linked to my Instagram. Um, And it's also all over my site, too. So it's threshcoach.com. Check it out, threshcoach.com. Of course, that'll be linked in the show notes. And then last question, Taylor Chandler, I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Taylor? I would say life. When you look at life, it's so huge. None of us can grasp it. None of us, not one of us can comprehend the magnitude or even when you think about how short life can be, we, we can't comprehend it. We don't know. But it's only a series of moments. It's just moment to moment to moment. And every time you get one moment, the last moment's gone. So if you can, if you can find one thing in this moment, one thing in this moment to take you to the next moment, one thing, this moment, just do that. Just do that. That's all you need. Just do that. And you might find that you end up in the next day. And if you get to that next day, then we're just going to take one moment at a time. And maybe you'll end up 
at the next week. But just it's moment to moment, one thing in one moment. That's just life. It's just a moment after moment after moment. Thank you for reminding us of that. Uh, you know, when I played college football, we wore these mm-hmm. T-shirts that said uh, one day at a time. But mm-hmm. for, for people who are really struggling, the day is, is too much. It's too overwhelming. Yes. And it's like, all right, maybe I could just get out of bed and take a shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the victory. Sometimes yes. that, that deserves a Stanley Cup right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, take time to pat yourself on the back for your accomplishments. Uh, there's no such thing as a, a small accomplishment. There's an mm-hmm. African proverb that says that the sun shines on a, on a small village as much as it does on a, on a large city. It, it, doesn't, mm. it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't pick and choose where it shines. So every, everybody can get some. Um, yes. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you checking out Thresh Coach, for you going to thrivewithleo.com, uh, you know, at least go call 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E. I've called it. Uh, it's linked in the show notes. They're international numbers. I know I got listeners in Canada and in London and South America and Australia and Indonesia. I appreciate all of you for uh, tuning in, for sharing, for rating it five stars. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thanks, Leo. Bye. Just a reminder, today's episode was brought to you by BetterHelp because they want you to start living a happier life today, not tomorrow, not a month from now, today. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can start communicating in just under 48 hours. They will match you with a licensed therapist. For me, I know the value of talking to someone. It's not always about a fix or a solution. It's really about feeling heard, feeling connected, feeling like I have an ally, a friend, someone who understands what I'm going through. BetterHelp will help you with that. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. As a matter of fact, if you put in betterhelp.com forward slash Leo, you get 10% off. That's right. That's my special offer for BYKY listeners is type in betterhelp.com forward slash Leo, L-E-O, and you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo today.